This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. We are in season two, and this is Dave Vanderveen. I am in Zurich, Switzerland, with Tony and Francis Papalardo. Back on the scene, Tony and Francis, welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast, and uh, welcome to Switzerland. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. We had a great, great trip. I really love it. Yeah, we're just on the back end of a trip, right? Yep. Francis, we haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful here. I know you just had an amazing time hanging out, celebrating your 50th birthday. Wow. Happy birthday, Dave. We didn't have to give away my age. Come on, I'm joking. <laughs> you don't look 50. <laughs> like More 65. like 60. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for that. Um, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Um, you guys were on in the first in the first season. Yeah, uh, we talked about your relationship a lot, um, some of your background in business, the barriers you broke through. Of course, in the Kick Aspirational podcast, we're talking a lot about how people can break through barriers in their in their life to yep. create the world they want to live in. To Francis, as you like to say, and Tony, you like to say, to customize your life. Yep, yep. Right? absolutely. Um, so first. Maybe uh, let's talk a little bit about where we where we where we've been this week and what we've been doing. Oh my gosh! I mean, gosh, this was uh, we've been skiing a decent number of places, but this this blew my mind. I mean, Austria. We were in uh, Steuben, right? We were staying in Steuben in the Arlberg region, so around Saint Anton. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about mountains. I've never seen mountains that big, and so many just different areas to ski and. Uh, it was unreal. We went a lot of a lot of backcountry off piece the first day, which was awesome because I had never really done that. And uh, yeah, it was just amazing, yeah, amazing it was just, spot. Just like endless skiing. Yeah, and I think we we didn't realize we were going to ski every single day, but we did. And I think the coolest part of the whole trip was just getting to know different friends of yours from different walks of life, you know, all together in one house and not really knowing how that was going to go. Because when you have a bunch of people that don't really know each other and you throw them in one house, it could go one way or the other. But it's just a reflection of who you and Sarah are, you know, that you always have great people around you. Really who Sarah is. (laughs) (laughs) We always give Sissy credit. She's uh, she she is the camp director, as we like to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we had a great time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so much fun. I don't think we've ever laughed so hard in our lives. cool you know i mean hannes schneider effectively created what we think of when we think of alpine sports you know downhill skiing chairlifts all that sort of thing we stayed in his ancestral home in steuben yeah um which has been very it's been updated very nicely yes uh seven very, bedrooms we had you know seven oh couples if you count skylar and uh and vincent as a couple i guess <laughs> um it's their son and my son but no we had a great time and um you know, it was, uh, we probably had some of the best conditions you could have hoped for. Spring skiing, yep. powder days. Yeah, uh, we got some snow. Yeah. That was, that was great. It was just, and the Apre ski is off the chain. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't really know what Apre ski was. So what is it, Tony? Now you, you've got to define it for us. Uh, yeah, yeah. It is um, where everybody gathers after they, they ski um, to basically party get really, festive. really, really they get hard. Festive. Yeah. They celebrate, very, they celebrate life. Yes. <laughs> it's great people watching. And I will say, Dave, I think you are a world-class athlete at the opera ski. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a you will go medalist. down in history. <laughs> I, I, you know, if there was an Olympic sport called opera ski, I'm, I'm quite certain I could podium. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. We had a great time. <laughs> don't, don't forget the tobogganing. That oh was a gosh. nice surprise, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. Well, so I thought tobogganing was like getting on the old wood sleds yeah. with like 10 people and crash down a hill. Yeah. Instead, it's like a Fisher-Price plastic toy 
that apparently can go 100 miles an hour. On a legitimate on, on a ski legit slope. Ski slope. Yeah. yeah. yeah with That's a, like iced over. With a brake that doesn't work. <laughs> no. Yeah, you, <laughs> and you can't, it's, I, I couldn't figure out steering. I think we almost lost a few people that night. I'm oh, really glad. Yeah, Ryan Abate went into the, f- the ski fence. <laughs> he he broke through it. Yeah. He That's did. how fast we were going. Crazy. But it was great. It was like literally oh, surprising. So it was fun. amazing. Great We had a butler. Made. We had a chef. We had Gorin, the... Uh, the man of all trades who, yeah. would, who would drive us around. It was just, it was a fantastic week. Uh, thank you for helping me celebrate being the big five zero, and um, thank you for making it, I, I think, best ski trip ever. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it was an honor for us to be there, and I mean, you really know, was. somebody had to do it, right? So we were glad to take it for the team, for yeah. sure. So, you know, maybe... <laughs> struggled, but I made it work. So maybe there's some people who are listening to this who are like, man, I, you know, I've always wanted to ski the Alps. I've always wanted to go to Austria. I've always yep. wanted to, you know... Stay in a private chalet with a butler and a you know a chef. Yeah, it's a dream trip. Just gonna say really it's, it's not all bad, and we're not doing this to brag. I think we're trying to give people something that yep. you know this is possible for pretty much anyone who wants it yep. if they really put the work in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, just over ten years ago, for myself, this wasn't even something I could really think up doing. You know, for the next five years of my life, but to be able to do it within ten years. Um, I was always excited to hear about what other people were doing that, you know, were ahead of me in life so that I could use that as motivation to continue to build better results to be able to achieve moments like that. Right. And you weren't, neither one of you, Francis or Tony, you guys weren't born with money. Mm-hmm. Um, you aren't professional athletes or celebrities. I mean, well, no, I mean, that's obviously you know, just... <laughs> in, in your minds, but I mean, <laughs> in reality. <laughs> no, 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 you're exactly right. Far, we we came from... from we were, we were not voted most likely to attain wealth or create these types of experiences in our life. So um, we've been talking a lot about, and you guys are at a point now where uh, obviously you've done very well financially, you're continuing to, to grow and do better financially, but you're also starting to you know, really focus on saving money, on um, you know, passively investing and, th- and with, with experts who can help you, you know, manage what you've created so you don't lose it or just spend it all on frivolous things. Um, how did you get to a point? Because I, I think that's all interesting, but I think for most people listening to this, um, it's a little bit ahead of where most people are. Most people are saying, well, how do I get to a point where I can save some extra money, where I can you know, save enough yeah. that, and, and do it in a wise way that I, that I can create a, a life that I want rather than things I have to do tomorrow? Sure. What, how, how did you break through that? Well, I, you know, I think the first part is is you got to look at the vehicle that you're in and ask yourself, is it going to give you the result that you really want your life to look like? I mean, so many people were taught just, hey, man, go to school, get good grades, get a good college education, get a good job, and then that's it. And they're never looking at the end result of that career path. And I'm not saying, I'm certainly not saying college is bad. I'm certainly not saying jobs are bad. But you just start with the end in mind. And I started with that when I was really, really young because um, I saw my parents go through so many financial struggles. And I just didn't want to be in that position. I knew I needed to live a different type of life. So I was looking at things. Every rich person, every wealthy person that I was around had businesses. They really did. Uh, they were big-time investors. They had financial firms. They had big companies that they were able to scale. They owned something. Yeah. They had equity. Yes, 100%. Um, so... For me, it was like, okay, well, well, I'm, I'm being taught to just get this j- job, and then I could work this job for 40 or 50 years. But I, at the end of 40 or 50 years, 
I basically get two weeks off a year, you know, the average corporate job, you get a couple weeks off a year and you, at the end of it, you don't own anything. Like, what do you own? You know, so I said, okay, well, it's not going to give me the time I want and it's not going to give me the, the income that I want. So I needed to find a vehicle that, that was able to produce that. And Met some people actually through my dad because they had gone through a lot of financial struggles and um, these people had created the results that I wanted. Uh, They were able to not retire, but walk away from corporate America, walk away from chasing a paycheck. Um, They were still very, very active. Uh, They were still working, but they did not. They were able if they wanted to take two, three, four weeks off in Europe. Uh, they could. If they wanted to travel around the world for two or three months at a time, they could. Um, they got money to stop chasing. They, they got money to chase them as opposed to them chasing money. So they weren't trading their time for money. Yep. 100%. You know, so that's the first thing that we had to figure out was, okay, like, is this a vehicle that's going to give us life that we want? And then it was like, okay, well, now it's going to take some time. Now it's going to take five, eight, 10, 12, 15 years to really build something. And we had to delay everything. I stopped skiing. I sold my skis. I sold my surfboards. I had one crappy surfboard. I surf locally. And if you grow up in New York, New York surfing is okay, but it's not like California. It's certainly not like Hawaii. And it's certainly not like traveling around the world. So I had to stop taking all surf trips. I had to stop really doing ski trips. I had to, I had to delay all the stuff that I had loved to do for a period of time so that I could grind it out and get to, to my, really build my life to a position where I could then do those things again. Right. So. Well, and, and, I mean, we've been able to, we, the first surf trip we took together was in mm. 2000, what was it, 2008 maybe? That was 2008, yep. We went to the Mentawais off the coast of uh, West Sumatra. We made yep. a movie called Lost Profits. Yep. Uh, gotten way over in our heads with some pros who were incredible. Yep. Had an amazing trip. Um, Unbelievable trip. Uh, never been scared so much in my life. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since then, together, Francis, you came in the picture a little later. Um, we got to go, we've gone to the Maldives together. We've gone to Hawaii a number of times together, yep. almost every year together. Uh, we've been to Nihiwatu and Sumba, voted number one resort in the world. Yeah, I've been yeah, there twice in a row. Yep. We've been there twice. I mean, we've had so many great trips. Been to Aspen. Yeah. Uh, but in order to create the equity yep. that allowed you to have that life, you had to build that. Yep. And yeah. so you had to put a disproportionate amount of time in. Yep. Because you could basically build something that was going to, that was scalable. Yep. That would be able to grow beyond the hours you put in. Right. Yep. Sure. Yeah. We were, you know, we were willing to trade the good life for the great life. And what I mean by that is we were just willing to work hard for a set number of years. And by the way, we're still working hard. You know, we're still yeah. working hard to grow our, our income and our wealth and put ourselves in places where we can learn from people that know more than us and, you know, just continuing to create and customize a life that is truly in accordance with our value system. And that's, that is essentially what we're living now. And one of our main values is giving back. And that's part of the main reason why we keep going so that we can create more resources to then be able to create more impact. And you're also enjoying the work you do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You really do. And and that, you know, that also goes in alignment with our values because our work is really genuinely connected with people and helping them create better results in their life with paying off debt and creating more assets of cash flow so that they can also customize a life that's more in accordance with their value system. Sure. You know, I mean, think about this, right? I mean, the first thing is before you go up a mountain, you want to ski down, make sure you're going up the right mountain. Yep. Right. Make sure you're <laughs> right. not getting in over your head or you're not going up when you don't want to right. know, be on. Right. And right. I think the second thing is um, we worked really hard this week. I mean, <laughs> I mean that in a, in a, because we were sweating through our clothes oh, yeah. every single day, Yep. skiing incredible mountains and working really hard. But it was so much fun 
didn't really feel like, I mean, it did feel like work. Your legs are burning, you're sweating through your, through your, uh, through your, you know, your, your ski clothes. But, but that's where the enjoyment comes. Sure. If you were just sitting around in the house all day, I would have been bored out of my mind. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, we were talking about this a little bit today, um, because we were talking about society and the fabric that allows us to have freedom. Yep. Uh, the culture. And one of the things that, that we were talking about is that, you know, kind of people were made to work. Yes, 100%. Um, people aren't happy unless they're working. I, I think there's two things. One, make sure you're going up the right mountain. The other thing is, as you're going up or down that mountain, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Right? Make sure you're doing something that you actually enjoy with, with people that you want to be working with, hopefully for the rest of your life. Yep. Because if you do it right, you never retire. Not because there isn't a reason to do nothing, but it's because if, if you're doing things you love, why would you, why would you stop doing it? Right? Well, that's what was funny. Like when we first started to make some good money and started taking some of these trips, my focus was always on not where I was, but where that I wanted to be. And I actually wasn't enjoying the ride. Yeah. It was like, I'd be on a great trip. Right. And I'd yeah. be like, I'd be like, gotta go home and work, 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 work. And then I'd, I'd be working. Next, next prize. Yeah. yeah. And then I'd be working and then I'd be like, oh, I just need to go on a trip. <laughs> and I don't know what clicked, but something finally clicked where I was like, man, I, I, I just need to enjoy this. And since then, I mean, it's been several years, you know, since I came to that realization, but holy smokes, it is so much fun. Like I really just, I really mellowed out and I really just enjoy every moment, not of that trip, not of that day, but just of my life overall. It's like, I'm so excited about life. There's not a day that goes by where we're not literally going, this is our life. Like we are so thankful Yeah, because tomorrow's not promised to us. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't know. I mean, obviously we hope and, you know, believe that we're going to live a, you know, a fruitful life and, you know, uh, you know, many, many, many more years, but we don't know. Sure. It's like, yeah. what a what a failed life if you actually had all these great moments that you could have enjoyed and didn't because you're always looking at the next thing. Right. <laughs> right. We yeah. were we were very destination oriented, and, yeah. and the one thing we failed to realize is that there is no destination. It's just a myth. It, it for some somehow it just kept moving. Yeah. <laughs> Once we got to where we thought we were, you know, where we were supposed to be, then all of a sudden the target moved, and so we were constantly trying to find this moment or this place that never truly actually existed. And we learned to enjoy the journey, not just the good times, but the challenging times as well. Right. Because we knew that the challenging times represented something good on the other side. Right. We took them as, yeah. you know, as tests, as things that, you know, we're going to make us stronger. We're going to help us grow. Um, and we, by the way, we constantly look to put ourselves in those situations so that we do continue to grow and get better and evolve. We don't just get stuck and complacent. Because at our at our position with our business and where we're at, um, it is possible for us to kind of coast a little bit, right. you know, manage. It's possible for us to coast and manage, and that's not that's just not something we're interested in. We want challenge, we want change, um, we want disruption that will continue to help us grow and evolve, and eventually get to, you know, we're we're never going to get to again that destination or that type of place, but just continue to reach new heights you know, and unlock new doors. And Dave, you were talking about all the trips and everything we've been able to do. And I even think about all the, the opportunities when we've been able to give our family and, oh gosh, um, yeah. you know, ways in which we've been able to really just build more peace of mind back into our life, yeah. you know, and, and not just like one of our friends calls it the Instagram lifestyle where people will go on vacation and, you know, finance the vacation and spend the rest of the year paying, paying it off oh and yeah. the type of stress and buildup. And, and, and I mean, no judgment. We, we know a lot of people like that. And that was potentially going to be our path as well if we didn't pursue mentors that taught us differently. But, um, 
you know, being able to go through our life with the type of peace of mind where we're not having to finance those types of things and we can actually enjoy them because they're, um, you know, they're, they're the cherry on top and we've got plenty, um, plenty to fall back on is, is, it's just a different way of living. And unfortunately, I think it's the opposite of what mass produced society teaches. So that's what, you know, trying to teach differently. And I think too, like, you know, the thing that I love about traveling with you guys is when you learn to embrace the moment, you learn to embrace the challenge as well as the the success and whatever comes is going to lead us hopefully to a better place. You know, we, we, we don't sit around on these trips we've done. We're usually moving all the time. I mean, yeah. we, 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 we enjoy and relax too, but I yeah. think, you know, we're not the types of people who just want to sit around on the couch all day. No. And so like, I, you know, I was just thinking about this last trip, you know, one of the worst days was the whiteout, you know, we had like two feet of snow yeah. in about 24 hours and we decided to go try and ski from Steuben to Zers to Lek. Yep. Yeah, which turned out to be an incredibly difficult idea to execute. <laughs> we literally it's had to an ski, adventure. ski from pole to pole, yeah. trying to get down the mountain, avoiding cliffs, avoiding pitfalls, um, getting nausea because we had vertigo because you couldn't see anything yeah. except your skis in front of your face. I mean, it was crazy. And as we were doing it and it was blowing and cold and snowing and you couldn't see anything, I just kept remembering... This is going to be one of the one of the days that we always talk about. Yeah. Remember that yep. day when, when it was like whiteout conditions, and we decided to go up the tram mm-hmm. and and try to ski, yep. you know, from town to town to get to Lek, and ended up. Um, well, not everybody. Tony, we. Ha- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I got there after. No, we ended up having just oh an epic uh, day in Lek later, um, having some you know really uh, invigorating the Apre ski. But I think. You know, it's, it's those times when you're like, ah, this isn't easy. This isn't necessarily the fun I thought I was going to get into that one that you're, is memorable. But two, the day after that, the best part of the, that whiteout day is we had, I mean, two, di- two oh powder days after that that awesome. were right. unbelievable. Yeah, right. it was like so good. Best bluebird powder days I maybe have ever had. Yeah, yep. it was definitely our best powder days. We don't get a lot of powder on the East Coast. Yeah. I mean, I've even skied more powder like in Japan, but I've never had bluebird powder, like where it's yeah. like sunny and powder and that much terrain. I yeah. mean, just on like too much terrain almost. It was crazy. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I mean, you know, if you don't have those types of whiteout <laughs> adventuresome days, do you really enjoy the days to follow? Do you really enjoy yeah. or, or, or are you grateful for those moments? Because if you don't know what the contrast is like, right? Right. You know, you could, yeah, you could experience those beautiful days and you know, not, not reach the depth and the fulfillment that they, you know, the gratitude can bring. So I, I think a really interesting, you know, segue from here is this is all great. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, skiing in the Alps has got to be phenomenal. If you're listening and haven't been there, I'm sure there's some people starting to trash talk this a little bit because, you know, <laughs> it sounds a little too good. Um, how did you, you know, forget about what the exact vehicle is per se, because I think we have a wide variety of people come from different backgrounds. Oh my gosh, yeah. How did you get to the point? How did you seek and find? How did you discover something? I mean, how could anybody listening to this, without you giving out your phone number, <laughs> how, how could anybody listening to this um, find a yeah. vehicle that's going to help them get what they want? What's, actually, what's the process to, to do that? Well, number one is you, you gotta you got to find people who are in life where you want to be. That's number one. All right? got to look for people and go, okay, cool, like... 
this person has the type of lifestyle that I want to live. What did they do to get there then? You know, and then start and then start looking at it, you know, because that, that's literally what we did. I mean, you know, what's so cool about Laguna um, and that's why we love, you know, visiting you guys. And gosh, you know, so many times we've been out there. It's like every person, every couple we meet has been able to customize their life. Mm-hmm. And it's so they started a company. They, it, they, they typically start some sort of company. Right. Build it to scale. All right. They're very smart with their money. Yeah. All right. They, they don't overspend. All right. And now they've built this life where they could do whatever the heck they want whenever they want. So many of your friends retired young, sold off their companies, and they're still doing stuff. You know, it's like, okay, what's the next adventure? But they've gotten their life to a place where now they don't have to worry about money. Because the biggest challenge is most people, they worry about money. So you, you, my biggest suggestion or recommendation to anyone listening to the podcast is go out and, number one, figure out the type of life you want to live. And it's not in terms of just about the amount of money. It's how do you want to raise your kids? What do you want to do every day? Yeah. Yeah. What, what schools do you want to send them to? What do you want you and your wife? What do you, what do you want your day to look like? You know, I, everything. What do you want to do every day? So when you start writing all those things down. So you're saying make a list and yeah. physically write it down. Yeah. Right? Make a huge list of everything you want your life to look like. And when you do that, now it's now it becomes a game. All right. What what actually can I do to produce this type of life? All right. And you'll find people in life that have done it. And then you have to seek it. Then you have to seek them. And it's not like what a lot of people do is they're like, oh, well, I tried to talk to this guy and I asked him some questions and he didn't want to talk to me. Yeah. OK, that that's not enough. You're going to have to do a lot more than that. Like Howard Schultz. I love his story because he tried to sell his coffee brand. He got rejected, I think, somewhere around 250 times before he actually sold his Starbucks branded coffee, you know, and was able to start, obviously, get the ball rolling. Here's what most people do. They see a lifestyle and they go, I want that lifestyle. And then they talk to two people or they take one little class or they try to do a real estate thing and they fail and they go, it's just too hard. They half-ass it. Yeah. Yeah, and they and and look, we we committed to the process, one hundred percent. We were all into the process. We knew we found a process that was going to work. We found a process, a vehicle that was going to produce what we wanted our lives to look like. How did you know that? Because we saw people that had gone before us, and then we pursued them, and then we we. You there was know, there was social proof. There was evidence in the yeah. ones that we we were so, pursuing. So you saw a number of people. It wasn't just one or two. It was no. It? Long list of people who yep. had been, who had followed the process that you that you had uh, that you were investigating, and you basically dove in and just said, if it worked for twenty of these people, hundred of these, however many, how many people was it roughly? Oh gosh, it was a couple hundred that we saw. Yeah, so if know. a couple hundred people can do it, I mean, yeah, either either you're not trying or you're not. You're yeah, not, yeah, and, and and it was literally that simple. We said, okay. We then just, we said, okay, it's, it's proven, it works. Now it's us committing to the process. I, I wasn't as good as so many of them. It took me longer than a lot of them. But I knew if I kept doing the work and I kept getting coached and I kept pursuing mentorship and I kept pursuing information, right. you know, in these areas, I said, well, eventually I'm going to get it. I didn't think that I was any better than these people, but I didn't think that these people were so much better than me that they were going to produce such an amazing result and I was going to produce such a crappy result. Like I knew I was going to get a good result if I just stuck with it and had a good attitude and was doing the right things. And every time we had a challenge, I didn't go, it's not working. It sucks. I, you know, and I didn't start sulking and bitching and moaning and being a baby about it because so many people are just babies, like flat out, like they are just wimps. 
I was a I was a fighter. I, I played ice hockey. I played competitive sports. I sucked at all of them when I started. Right. So I had to grind it out in everything I did. So this was no different. So it was very easy for me to transition. And, and there are some tears. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had a friend who was just learning to snowboard on this trip. Yeah. And she's really good at some other sports. Yeah. And um, this was her second time snowboarding, and she decided to to, to have her second event. Yep. In, in the Alps. In the Alps, which is pretty uh, pretty strong. Pretty yeah. Um, and and you know what? God bless her. She probably. I think we were probably putting in a minimum. Of 20 kilometers a day. Yeah. So, you know, well over 10 to 15 miles and a day. I would not have been snowboarding my second day in the Alps. And she did. I was on the bunny hill. She did at least four days yeah. of the six days we were there. And she did have a couple breakdowns. I mean, it's not easy. It's hard. You're yeah. falling hard. Yeah. And it hurts. Yep. And I'd like to point out, I think it is okay to have shed some tears. It's oh, yeah. okay in the moment when it all seems like it's falling apart to take a minute and just let it out and be like, man, this sucks. Yep. But then to pick yourself back up just like our friend did Yep. and get back yep. down that hill. Yep. And what's even better is she went back down a long, long hill, went to lunch. We offered to get her a taxi to, to take her back because no. we're going town to town. This is like multiple towns. Then we got to go back across a huge traverse. Yep. And she said, no, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going. Yep. Yep. Um, I think that kind of tenacity shows you, I mean, these are two friends who've been really successful in life. I mean, sure. um, more than, than us. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Respectively. Yeah. Um, and they were trying something out of their comfort zone in a place that is, it's the deep end of, of yeah. skiing. Well, I have a, so we have a website called customize your dot life and Wait, can you, uh, customize, customize your, your dot life. How do you spell that? C-U-S-T-O-M-I-Z-E-Y-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E. So Good it's job. customize your, and then there's a, there's a period. Period. Life. Life. Okay, yeah, customize correct. your dot life. Got it. Yeah, thank you. And um, so we have, uh, we have an interview recently. We just put it up today with a good friend of mine from college, Gabrielle Ruiz, and she's on the CW show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's a co-star. She says in her video, because she, she was on Broadway, she was in In the Heights with Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda, who produced, um, who directed Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. yep. Um, she was in Evita with Ricky Martin. She was in uh, If Then with Idina Menzel. And after she went through those first, you know, th those shows, she had a slump period where she wasn't getting any work and her agents were saying, you know, we can't really find any work that connects with you. And she was feeling really down and it was just this place in her life where she was unsure and she was felt really disconnected and she called her mom and she cried about it and she was upset and her mom said do you want to come home and she said no she said i just need to cry about it and i'm going to be okay and tomorrow i'm going to start again and just that whole philosophy as you're talking about our friend that was snowboarding this week and to be able to watch that process firsthand again with somebody who's brilliant at yeah. that level in, a, in another arena stepping into a different realm and the interesting and the cool thing with Gabby is that she did really well on Broadway but that time that, that period in her life got her to explore different opportunities and so she started auditioning for different things and now she's in television you know now she's a, a lead actress on the CW Crazy Ex-Girlfriend so to be able to recognize those moments as, no, these aren't necessarily moments that are you know going to knock you down, or it's not necessarily that you suck or whatever. It could just be a redirection of course, right? And, a, and a, another opportunity for growth. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, and I, I think a, a big point to this too is there were so many times when we were growing and if, if we had just kept growing the way that we were growing, I would not have grown personally the way I needed to, to get us actually to the level where I wanted to be. So in other words, like, so, so many people, what they do is, is they think that the challenge that they're having, or if they're not growing or whatever is the problem. And it's like, no, what you're not getting is you actually have to learn through this lack of growth period, this struggle period, so that you can get to that next stage. Like you're being prepared for something, but what most people do is, is they resist that growth, that potential change, mm-hmm. all right, that is actually starting to happen. What they do is they complain and they whine and they bitch and they moan. Yeah, it, it, you know, a good thing to ask yourself is if if you feel that every everyone and everything around you needs to change in order for your life to be better, then <laughs> it's probably an indication that uh, you need to change. Mm-hmm. You it's know? pretty hard to change the world. That's a, sure. not a great strategy. <laughs> no, but that's the point is, is like, yeah. you know, like when we go through challenges, we don't question things anymore. We go, okay, what are we supposed to learn? Are we on track? We check with people that are smarter than us, yep. further in life than us, more successful than us. And we go, hey, are we missing something? Do we just need to keep doing what we're doing? Are we on track? And we're very open. Uh, we're very growth-minded. There's a great book uh, called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And so many people, even even people in this space that are, oh, I'm, I'm big on personal development and I read books and this and that. So many of them are not growth minded. Right. They, 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 many people, they reach a level of success and they think they know it all. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. The funny part is the more we grow, I literally feel like the less I know. And I like that. I'm totally okay with that. I don't need to know everything. I just want to piggyback off of very intelligent people and always bounce things off of them to make sure that we're always on track. I didn't need, I don't need to stand on the mountaintop and say, I did this. I have no problem saying, hey man, I got to the mountaintop with all these other people. You know what I found? So we were this weekend, I'll name a couple people who are with us. Um, Ryan Abate, he's been Mm -hmm. inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, I think Pharmaceutical Hall of Fame, Yeah, which sounds funny. Um, I thought I was getting there in college, but the, uh, no, but he's, you know, he ran, he had his own agency that was one of the biggest pharmaceutical, um, agencies. Right. Um, brilliant. Right. And brilliant guy. Uh, we had Byron Roth there. Yep. Founded Roth Capital, his wife, Susan. Yep. Um, Susan, by the way, is a super fantastic mellow. supermodel party animal. <laughs> um, and then, you know, uh, Glenn Rogers wasn't there. He and Iris were supposed to be there. He's, he's got a surgery he has to have, but, um, of, of when I talk about like Byron, Glenn, uh, uh, Ryan, you know, one of the things that that I've noticed is the more successful, like these guys were really successful. Glenn used to own Variety Magazine. He was on our board. He's he works with a lot of big yeah. uh, private equity funds now. Amazing investor. Um, each of those three guys, when you're with them, they're oh not gosh. sitting there extrapolating or expounding. They're asking you a million questions. Yep. They're taking the time. They're curious. Yeah. And one of the things that Ryan said, um, you know, our, uh, my older son Skylar was there, and he's really bright, and he has a lot of great information, and he's he's this, you know, he's desperately digging into ideas and, and breaking them down. And Ryan loved that because I think he saw, you know, that that's the way that a lot of us were at that age. Yep. And he said to Skylar, he said, "Look," he said, "You know what's going to be amazing." is that between 25 and 50, mm-hmm. you will change so much. Yeah. Because the more you learn this, when you have that much aggressive curiosity, yeah. mm. you'll start to realize it's the questions. 
And it's not, it's not what people are saying, whether they're right or wrong, who cares? It's why are they saying this? Where are yep. they coming from? What's their perspective? What am I missing? Um, and I've had to learn this. I mean, I, I used to be just like my son. It's not, not too strangely. Uh, we share the same DNA. Um, but, you know, it was, it's that same idea. I mean, one, I think it's great to have ideas and to aggressively embrace them and to get into, you know, aggressive arguments with people because that's where you break them down and figure out what's real and what's not or what has legs and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. But you also get to a point as you do that more and more as you get older where you start to realize there's a great book by Chuck Klosterman called What If We're All Wrong? Yeah, And he points out that 500 years ago, people were wrong about almost everything important. Wow. You know, is the earth the center of the universe? Do, you know, yeah. How does gravity work? Things like that. All these really basic questions. Um, and he, his, whole, his whole point of the book is, in 500 years, we all might be wrong about almost everything we think too. I mean, I think there are facts. I think we're actually getting a lot better at things like science. But... Yeah. but if you start with the premise when you're having a conversation with somebody, most of what we're talking about is opinion. Mm. We might be wrong about almost everything. It frees you, it liberates you to say, I don't know, I might be wrong. Here's what I think. I don't, it's just what it's, it, when you start to be self-aware that what this idea you're clinging to is just your opinion most of the time and it might be wrong, yeah. it liberates you to listen to other people and to actually embrace un- Try on other ideas and see if they work and if they make sense for you. It allows you to progress. Yep. You don't get locked into these boxes that, that become cages. Yep. Um, and I think a big part of that is getting around really talented people. Glenn Rogers says, he has this great saying, he says, zip code matters. He talked about Laguna Beach. Mm-hmm. Zip code matters. Where you live, who you associate with. Oh my gosh. What he's talking about is who you're, who you're associating exactly. with, right? Um, it doesn't mean you have to live in the glitziest neighborhood. It means you need to be around people yeah. who who are moving forward in life, who yeah. aren't stagnant, who aren't just sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. Um, if you're around progressive people, you will progress too. And I think the biggest thing, like we were just talking about writing it down, I always tell people, be careful what you write down because mm-hmm. you just might get it. Absolutely. And I'd like to touch on that going back to the beginning of the process with really defining how you want to live and using that vision as your, your, your uh, roadmap to get to where you want to, to be. Um, for me, I, I started with just focusing on what I wanted to do in terms of occupation. And I sort of forgot about all of the rest. This was when I you know, decided I was going to become a professional dancer. And that was it. I was just 1000% tunnel vision. And I want to be a professional dancer without taking into account all of the other things that Tony mentioned before. What do you want your day to look like? <laughs> what do you want your relationships to look like? How do you want to travel? How do you want to give back? You know, and so everything in my life became about that. And that was a lot about how I was programmed and formatted to think from a very young age, which was really essentially everything in life revolved in a centrifugal motion around what you did for money, what you did for work. And I remember my teacher asking me in fifth grade what I wanted to be when I grew up. And at that time, the coolest thing in my, (laughs) the coolest thing in my workbook was a construction worker because they wore the color orange. I saw a lot that they worked at night and, um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like to wear nylons and a lot of the female occupations in my workbook wore pantyhose. So you're I know saying orange ridiculous. is the greatest color on earth. Just, just clarifying. <laughs> well, it's a good color. You were just um, in the Netherlands. In we were in Amsterdam grade, before and, this, yeah. at the beginning of this trip. It is, right? I, I, I love do, orange. I do love really orange. Do. I do love orange. Kidding. But, but thinking about how I was, I was designing my life around that occupation and instead of thinking about 
how I really wanted to live. And when, you know, when I, when I broke through, you know, my, my story was going through losing my dad and all this stuff. And, um, that was really my turning point to really think about what life was all about. My dad died in his fifties. And I realized at that moment that, you know, my goodness, life is so short and how am I collecting moments? I was so performance driven. I was just collecting credits you know, in trophies. I wasn't really investing in relationships. I wasn't really doing these other things that, in my opinion, when I saw my dad's funeral, those were the things that mattered. Nobody was getting up there and reading his resume or this or that. They were talking about time spent, you know, moments where he invested and the ways that he made a difference or an impact in their life. So I started to really think about that. And that's what set me off on my journey. And I had no relationship to people who are no connection, I'm sorry, to people who were successful in life other than in the, uh, than in the dance industry. Cause that was the industry that I had been working so hard towards to that point. So I got mentored out of books. Wait, wait, when, when you say dance, were you, were you, uh, exa- musical theater, David, right. no, no, a, yeah, musical yeah. He, that's theater. what he thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> Sounds exotic. Thanks for the clarification. <laughs> Sounds very exotic. <laughs> I was a tap dancer. Thank you. Um, so, um, but I had, you know, I had worked really hard in that industry to develop relationships with people who were really great, but I had zero relationships with people who were able to create substantial wealth where they could then maximize the other areas of their life that mattered, which was time with their family, you know, and traveling the world, doing things for charities or causes that they believed in. So I got mentored out of books initially. A lot of those books came off my dad's bookshelf. And that, that sent you on this quest. That's what set me into motion. To, to find the life that you were trying to customize, to, to create the life you wanted. Exactly. To customize your life. Right. Yeah. To and customize your dot life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I started there and I created a vision just like Tony said. And it, it seemed a little audacious and it seemed a little... Yeah, it seemed a little crazy, um, but I, after reading those books too, I believed that I could do it because I read about people who came from lesser circumstances than I did that were able to create so, incredible lives. So if you were going to just, if we could just, if you don't mind, um, kind of get to brass tacks on this. Mm-hmm. So if somebody was going to, because this is really good, and I think if we've had a lot of people write to us and say, hey, like we talked about this book, you know, When to Jump, and it was all about this guy who wanted to go play professional squash. And so, you know, he left Bain to do that and he had to make a decision when he was going to go leave Bain and go on his quest to play professional squash, which not very lucrative, but it gave him this life he was really interested in at that time as a young man. Mm. Um, Not advocating this, by the way. Uh, The question I got back, I think one of the best questions I got from a good friend of mine in Montana, Steve Snezik, was, that's all great. I would love to jump. How do you figure out what to jump to? And I think what people are, what that question is about, and I get this a lot from people is, how do you, what are the steps? What's the process to find that thing? There's things you were reading. Mm-hmm. There's conversations you're having. Aaron, I was with, uh, I was at the RX3 conference in, uh, in just south of Laguna in Dana Point at, uh, at the Ritz. Um, it's part of it. It's an investment group I'm involved with, with, with Byron Roth and Roth Capital and Nathan Robbie and Aaron Rogers. And, one of the things that um, that they were talking about at, in this forum for a, a new fund we're creating called RX3 was that you you actually have to you know effectively make this leap and um, I guess the question is how do you know how do you know when or what, I guess what are the steps 
to get to the point where you can make that leap, where you can start to build this life you want? How do you, how do you do that? Well, I think for, for both Tony and I, we're in agreement on this. And, and I think there, there are different people in, in life and their experiences where they, they'll attach more towards what they do and doing that thing every day and being happy with that. So if you decide that, you know, you want to become, um, you know, you want to become a swim instructor and you love swimming and that's something you're okay with and that, Hey, that takes up the most hours of your day, but you're okay with that. Um, then that is the life that they've created and they want to live essentially for Tony and I, there were so many facets to our life that we didn't want to pigeonhole our pigeonhole ourselves into simply what we did. So it started with crystallizing that vision, David. And then, um, and then really, you know, uh, as Tony mentioned, finding people who had created those results and nothing we've done has really been <laughs> out of original thought for either We're one not. of us. It has simply been duplicating others, uh, being copycats for lack of a better term for people who have created and customized lives towards what we wanted. So when people ask us what we do <laughs> at parties, we like to have fun. Because they'll, you know, the, what they're looking for is, you know, our occupation or how we make yeah. money, yeah. right? But if people ask me what I do, I'll, I'll usually start with, well, goodness, I mean, I'm, um, well, I'm a mom, I'm a wife. Um, sometimes I do yoga. I like to dance. I, I took up surfing not that long ago. Um, I ski now. Yeah. I'm a world class skier. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, you're. you're but, well, uh, you are one of the fastest progressing skiers. Yeah. Ever. Thank uh, you, David. Really I think good. today, I think I think I've got 15 days under my belt now yeah, after this you, week. But doing really well. But um, you know, I, I I like to rally off a whole list of things that I do. Right. And they usually look at us dumbfounded, and they're like. And then I'll and then I'll just kind of politely interject and say, oh, "I'm sorry. Did you mean how do I make money?" Yeah, that's great. So and you're separating those two things because exactly. in America, in particular, that's, that's your identity, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that becomes your identity. In other parts of the world, people are like, "Why would you talk about your work? That's the right. most least important, least least interesting thing, maybe that you do all this. You know, hopefully that you right. do all day." Yeah. Um, I, I made a bad segue there when I went talk, when I was talking about Aaron. I wasn't just trying to drop his name. Um, what I was, he said two things that were really interesting to me. One, he said, you know, I was asking him, we, I got, I've gotten to know him fairly well. We were, I was asking him, um, about how did he get to where he is? And he said, I think the biggest difference between me and other people who were playing football at the time when he was growing up, you know, particularly when he didn't get drafted, when he didn't get a college scholarship, he had to go to junior college. Um, he said all the time. Every time I was going to make a decision, should I sit down and watch this game or should I go work out? Should I uh, go eat some, drink some chips and Coke and pizza with my friends or should I go throw the ball a hundred more times? He said every little decision was always filtered through what do I ultimately want? Where do yeah. I want to be? He had, yeah. this, he had that, that going for him. The second thing is, he said this at the conference, um, he said one of the things he practices now, he's obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, um, arguably the greatest. Uh, he said, when I travel to, to away games, I have my people, so, you know, like his agents and stuff, hunt down key, like, influencers in the city he's going to that he can meet with mm. to pick their brains about things he's trying to learn or experience. Yeah. And so he'll meet with CEOs of companies or, you know, other key influencers in film or music or things that he's working on that, that are interesting to him that he's trying to develop some skill sets around. And I, I think to, you know, one, it's interesting to have that, that work ethic to get to some place, to get to this place where you're one of the greatest of all time. But second, when you're, when you're there and you could be complacent, that you don't lose it, that you continue to seek that out is profound to me. Sure. 
And I think that's kind of what, what if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying the same thing. It's no matter where you're at in life, what do you want? Are you focused on that? Are you making little decisions every day that are going to get you there? And two, who are you connecting with? Who are you reaching out to? Don't worry about the rejection. Who are you reaching out to that can help you get it? Who's got what you want? Right. Yeah. And it all comes down to, I think, maturity and learning how to be a lifelong student. And Tony and I, when we're coaching people, we, we teach them how to create a filter, two filters. The first one is where are you receiving advice from? What type of input are you, you bringing in mentally? Because just like, you know, with working out, whatever you eat is going to manifest itself into your body physically. So whatever goes into your brain is what will manifest itself into your reality. So with, you know, with where people are receiving their right uh, advice from and the two key areas that matter the most relationships and finances, are they receiving it from credible resources where the, the folks that are giving them those pieces of advice have actually created results? And if they haven't, why are you listening? Right. Or why are you continually allowing that input? So I think to what you're saying with Aaron, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal, you know, to have that sort of approach to life. And I feel we've sort of done the same thing. And the, the first thing that you said about does each decision that I make line up with my goals, that's the second filter we help people create is whatever they're going to do in their day, in their week, month, year, you know, does it get me closer to my goal or further away? And does it align with my values? If right. it doesn't match up with those two things, shouldn't do it. Right. You know, and it could be something that's not uh, something that's nondescript, you know, like maybe maybe you have an opportunity to do something that's going to further your business or your career. And in that same weekend, you have the opportunity to do something really fun uh, in terms of a hobby with friends. Right. So it, it doesn't have to come in the form of junk food or bad habits or, you know, um, bad, whatever things that are going to really cripple you. It could come in the form of something really good that's actually still getting you further away from your goal. So it's sure. all about trading the good life for the great life. Well, and so many people, they all they're trying to do is make people happy. That really don't matter in, in the grand scheme of things. They're trying to make people that are totally not in life where they want to be. You know, they're so loyal to the wrong people. You mm -hmm. know, like w when I started my journey and when we started our journey, Look, there were people that I grew up with, and I love these people, and they're nice people, and I have nothing against them and, and whatever, but I started to realize pretty quickly, like, I needed to level up. I needed to get around people that actually made me feel uncomfortable in a good way. Right. You know, people that were, like, just so, just... Way ahead. Smoking it in life, all right? Not, you know, just doing dumb things. Like, look, I grew up, I was, I did a lot of drugs. I did a lot of stupid stuff. I partied a lot. I just did a lot of dumb things to get myself on the wrong track and produce the wrong fruit in my life. So when I got around people that were in life where I wanted to be, they said, well, look, Tony, you can keep hanging out with these people, but let me ask you a question. How are they rubbing off on you? And I said, well, um, uh, I, I don't know. And they said, well, look at the results that you've produced in your life. And my results sucked. And, and I think most people, here's the challenge that people have. They go, well, you know, I go, who do you learn relationships from? And they go, oh, well, I learn relationships from my mom, my dad, you know? Yeah, they're dysfunctional family. Exactly. No, no offense to everybody out there, but most of us no. have dysfunction in our families. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like, oh, well, okay, so your mom and dad have modeled what it's like to be in a relationship for you and also modeled financial habits. Well, most people have a tremendous amount of debt, all right? They have zero savings. They're, they're broke. They're, they're spending way above their means. They have, you know, whatever. 
And then from a relationship side, they have the same issues. You know, they're dysfunctional, all these issues going on with the kids and and, divorces and whatever. So that's what we learn from. And then now all of a sudden we're going to try to take that advice and now produce success from bad advice. That, and it makes no sense, but we do it because the people love us and we love them. And there's a trust factor there. And, and what people can't differentiate is between trusting someone and loving someone and then wanting what's best for us between what is actually knowing what is best for us. Well, there's a sense of self-awareness there, right? Yeah. We were talking about some horribly dysfunctional relationships earlier tonight mm-hmm. with people that we love. And, you know, one of the first big steps, and, and you see it is... When you're in the middle of a dysfunctional relationship with somebody that you've known for a long time and maybe you you even love, but it's not a working relationship, it's almost impossible, unless you're incredibly self-aware, to know that that's going on. And one of the biggest things is, is actually being aware of the dysfunction that you're mimicking or that you're being a part of, right? Or that you're in the middle of. And once you're out of it, it's easy to look back and go, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that I was in the middle of that. How didn't I see it? But it's so hard. I mean, until you progress past it, it's really hard to see that. And, and, and by the way, I think when people progress past that, they should thank that horrible dysfunction. Absolutely. That they had the opportunity to learn that an and then to move past it. Sure. Look, you're either going to fall prey to it or you're going to learn from it. You know, and so many people, they all they want to do is blame everybody in their life right. and every challenge and For every, every bad issue. thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody else. Even as, if it is the other person's fault. Yeah, and it's like, look, you learn from it. Look, you may have to create boundaries in that relationship. Sure. You may have to totally separate separate yourself from it. But man, the question is, is when are you going to wake up and start taking responsibility for your life? And we stopped blaming I think, everybody. I think a lot of people who come from dysfunctional families just need to know that they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that's an option. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, Rob Bell is great. He was, we were talking about um, this, uh, Sarah, what's his name? Um, Sarah, my wife Sarah is sitting here too. Uh, who does Rob like to watch and is always confounded by? Um, uh, oh, gosh, now I'm Texas, Texas uh, success pastor. Um, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. Yeah. And God bless Joel Osteen. You know, Rob was kind of dumbfounded by him. Like, why are people attracted? Everything he says is so simple. And then he realized, he realized there's a lot of people who just need to be told, you can save money. It's okay. You can. Right. You have permission to do this. Yep. You can put boundaries in a relationship. Yep. You can say no to somebody who's abusing you. Yep. A lot of people don't realize because they're in the middle of it that it's even an option. Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of people think that success has to come only through tremendous complexity. Right. They look at like, I, I remember myself, I was like, oh my gosh, these people are so rich. They must be geniuses or they must be unbelievable, like whatever, you know, or people that had successful relationships. I would be like, man, they must be just so perfect and everything they say is right and everything. And what I learned is, is that's total bullshit. It's, it's when they make a mistake, right? They fix it right. and they work really, really hard to not continue to make that same mistake over and over and over again. The mistake isn't the issue. The, yes. the, 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 the environment isn't the issue and the, the thing that's happening is the issue. It's their reaction to it. Yep. And they have a choice yep. and they can decide to do things differently than the way their parents did or other people did yep. and they can step out of it. I think that self-awareness is everything. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. look, that saved our life. And we talked about this on the last podcast, but, but we, when we started, when I started to become self-aware that, that, that changed everything for me. 
and, and, and us. Because I, when people become self-aware, they actually gain tremendous amount of confidence in themselves. Because from a relationship, you know, whether it's with money, whether it's with a person, so many people make decisions based upon a, a position of insecurity. Like think about when people spend a lot of money that they right. don't have. They're buying things to quote unquote fill this void. You know, which then just repeats and, this process. And they're not even aware they have a void. Exactly. They're just filling something they don't know why. Yep. They're reacting. Yep. Instead of taking some steps back, breathing deeply. We talk about meditation a lot. Yeah. You know, this is why meditation is so important. Why am I yep. doing this? It's okay you did it. It's okay that you reacted. We all do. Yep. Why are you doing this? Yep. This is what you want. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh has this great book, You Are Here. Mm-hmm. And it's just about being aware that now is what we have. Breathe. Own the moment. Is this what you want to be doing? Yep. Or do you want to do something different? You can. Yep. It's amazing. So, you, so you're going through this. You go through this process. You actually mentor people through these, this process. Is that right? Yeah. People come to you now and, and you help them uh, one, kind of get their life, being, become self-aware, yep. start to build the life they want, identify what it is. And you have, you have some vehicles you can help them, yep. help them identify that will work for them. In the process itself... So somebody says, great, I'm going to read some books, you know, mindset, other books that you recommend. I'm going to start meeting with mentors who can help me get what I want. How important is it one meeting and then it's done? Or is there like a whole follow-up, follow-through process? I'll I'll let Francis, well, I just want to say one thing and then I'll let Francis talk on this. I think one of the biggest challenges in this world today is we are such an instant gratification world. Yeah. And everybody listens to whether it be a podcast, you know, whether it be uh, an inspirational video or whatever. And they think that if they listen to it once, that it's all set. Now they're (laughs) going to apply this to their life and their life is going to be fixed. Or they go to a motivational seminar for a weekend. Right. And even though it's immersion and it's great and it costs you... Changes your life. Yeah, $15,000. It's like, no, man, becoming successful in a relationship and financially, because those are the two biggest buckets of our life, right? Personal relationships and financial resources. Yeah. It's a daily thing. And as soon as you start getting away from feeding yourself. Working on it daily. Working on it every single day. You are going to automatically start going backwards. It is like the gym. If you stop going to the gym, if you stop eating right, you are going to get fat. Why are you staring at me right now? All right, because we got fat this week. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how hard we ski, we can't overcome the après ski. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Too much wiener schnitzel. Well, there's never too much wiener schnitzel. That was so good. (laughs) Maybe there is. Sorry, Francis, you're right. Oh, my gosh. Curry versus her. Curry versus, yeah, this hot dog with curry sauce and and fries. We, we did some terrible things this week, but we also worked hard and enjoyed yes, it. Yes, we did. But, but but right, I mean, it's so true. That's like, I think people just want this instant fix and, and they're not willing. They, that's why I said in the beginning, you have to marry the process. Right. And it has to be a commitment that no matter what, I have chosen to do this with my life. These are the vehicles. These are the people. This is how I'm going to live my life. Like we are living our life each and every day pursuing people that we respect, that we admire, that we, that we look up to, that we, you know, want to be like, you know, and we just pursue them and we have fun and we, and we're always also looking to bring value into their life with everything that we do, you know, cause we're not always looking, I don't want to make it sound like you're looking to take from your mentor. You always want to be bringing value and it may just be your love. It may be a simple handwritten card. It may be buying them a dinner or a coffee or something, you know, because you may not be able to give them value from, from an informational level. You can give them love and respect. 100%. You know, Desmond 100%. Howard was at this, uh, this RX three conference. He's one of the part, one of the investors in it and, um, you know, Heisman trophy winner, Credible, one of the only receivers ever to win the Heisman. Yeah, and just a 
incredibly down to earth guy, mm. um, very clean life, high value, you know, value oriented, family oriented, amazing guy. He talked about in the, in this process because Aaron talked about you know how he goes out of his way to meet with these you know people that he learns something from, looks up to, you know, values. Um, Desmond Howard said, make sure you follow up. And he talked about a player who went out of his way to meet one of the owners. And after he met the owner and had this meeting that was really helpful to him, he hand wrote a letter to the guy and said, you know, thank you. And this is why it mattered. I appreciate you making the time. And what Desmond said is after he was done playing, when he was looking for other opportunities and needed some guidance, he could go back to that owner because he had made the time to follow up in the process. And I think to your point, you know, it's, it's every day, it's every moment, it's follow, it's being there, showing up, adding value, following up. I mean, that kind of stuff. How, when, when you're, so it's not just you chasing people who are successful. You're also helping people who want to be, you're, you're giving that back to people who come to you. Yep. Um, how do you identify people that will, you know, that, that are, that, that, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. It's not that they're worth it or not worth it, but that identify themselves as people who are worthy of your time and effort. Well, yeah, and it's not that they're worth it or not, as you said. It's really, it's really about whether or not it's a safe, solid, and secure investment for our resources to move forward with them. And, and they really identify themselves. Um, we allow anybody to come to the table. We're not, we're not checking resumes. We're not checking credentials. Um, so anybody can come to the table and what are you looking for? Yeah. So, so initially we'll start, we'll, we'll have an initial conversation with anybody that comes to the table. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll sort of have a little meet and greet with them, get to know them and, and ask them some mindset defining questions to figure out if we really see fertile soil to which we can, you know, uh, invest into, and they will identify themselves through our process. Our process is about a month and a half to two months long of vetting you know, in which we will take the time to get to know them, educate them, and allow them to explain to us what their goals are, what their value system is, and also where they are in life in terms of, um, we always ask them on a scale of one to 10, where are you in comparison to where you want to be? And we usually are able to find out as we unpack that question with them, whether or not they're going to become self-motivated. Or if they are self-motivated. So it's not about where they are. It's a lot about kind of willingness to change. Exactly. And put the effort in. Exactly. You know, and, and, and how far they want to, you know, how far they want to go. You know, if they tell us, you know, I'm just looking for a little extra and I just want a little bit here and there to kind of make my life a little more plush and a little more comfortable, they're probably not going to be self-motivated enough to develop something in addition to what they're doing currently with their job and their after hours, they're probably going to choose their softball league over investing into something additional. So they're, so, yeah, they're not going to give up the immediate gratification for the future, future benefit. Absolutely. Cause we tell them right up front, look, we're not in the motivational business. You know, we're not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Um, or we're not going to tell you, you know, uh, what you should or shouldn't do with your day. You're going to have to tell yourself that you're the one that's going to have to get yourself up off the couch and check off the boxes on your to-do list of what you're going to need to do in addition to probably what you're already doing with your job. So that's, that's not something that, you know, we're, we're, um, willing to call someone up and make sure that they follow through with their day. They're going to have to be self-motivated. They're going to have to think long-term, um, and they're going to have to be willing to work hard. 
And if they can't do those three things, then we're not going to really be able to help them make significant leaps and bounds in their life. If they have, you know, just a small goal, which is fine too, um, then they probably just need a job at their promotion. They probably, I'm sorry, a promotion at their job, a little tired. They just probably need to level up a little bit from where they're at. And that's fine too, but that's not a proper candidate for what we're, what we're looking that's for. That's not where you're going to get, exactly. uh, or it's not going to, where it's not worthy of your, your investment. Yeah, sure. And they could be a great person. Um, it's right. just, I think that's a good qualification. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're bad people exactly. or they're not, they're not, there's not, I mean, it doesn't make and, them bad. It's just not, you're not going to be able to mutually benefit each other. And the beauty of our process by the end of it is no matter whether or not we work together in the end, we've helped clarify some things for them. Well, we've them, helped help them through that Give them process. direction and what they should be focused on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So where do we go from here? So, so you have a website, uh, customize your dot life. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're really busy and you're not looking for a, a lot of people to email you and, and ask you a million questions. What's the, um, no, I guess, um, people can ask questions. It's cool. Is there a place where people can reach out to you if they have questions about what, about what they're trying to accomplish? Sure. Yeah. We, we always encourage people, you know, if they go to our website and, you know, let's say they, they watch a video of one of the, one of the folks that we've interviewed to this point, sometimes questions are most helpful in the comment section because then other people will have an opportunity to learn from those questions. Sure. But if it's more of a direct question, they're more than welcome. We do have a connect page, um, and they can, you know, we've had people reach out to us for speaking engagements and things of that nature. So, so public questions would be a question that people think would benefit other, other readers, yep. which is great, which is great. And that you would put that in a public post. Yes. Private questions would be a question that's my own personal thing that's probably just about you. Sure. And then they can DM you. Uh, they, they can DM you or they, you have an email link or how do they get uh, Yeah, we have a connect page a on connect the page. website. Okay. Well, yep. awesome. Francis and Tony, uh, I know I've worked you very hard this week on the ski slopes and the Apres ski slopes. Uh, this has been an you amazing did. podcast. You were an amazing coach in Apres ski, though. It's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for, uh, for being a part of my process. And, um, oh, and for making thank you time for inviting us here in Zurich tonight to uh, to share some of your thoughts on this. We've had a great week discussing this, and uh, I want to thank you again. Oh, we love you guys. Looking forward to more. Really of the love Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> everybody loves Sarah. <laughs> Let's hop race key. This has been the Kick Aspirational Podcast. I love the questions and comments. This isn't a spectator sport. Please hit me up on Instagram, David fifty eight at d a v e e d five eight or at Kick Aspirational and. Uh, We will follow up from there. Whatever you do this week, please be kick aspirational.